Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Great Work Podcast. My name is Amanda, your host. Please, before we get into the episode, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, rate me five stars if you think I deserve it, and um, share with a friend if you think they would like this. In this week's episode, we are ta- or today's episode, we are talking to Param from Param's Perspective. You guys might know him from my lives. Um, he is one of my most requested live guests. I believe we met on Rudy's live, the moderate Democrat, but he's awesome. He's British. He was born born in Iran, and we go into his um, history on the podcast episode, but he has a lot of just cool opinions in general and we recorded for over an hour and I think we could have easily done three so if you guys like this um, I'll have to have him back on but yeah um, I hope you guys really like this we just talk about everything from what's going on right now in Israel we're both non-Jews who care about the issue and um, he's also super knowledgeable in like history and all that kind of stuff so and I think it's interesting him being of Iranian descent and, you know, having total compassion for Palestinians while at the same time um, not supporting Hamas, which seems to be something that a lot of people don't know how to do. So uh, without further ado, we'll get into the episode and I hope you... Okay, guys, thank you. Welcome back to the Great Work Podcast. This is Param. Um, you guys know him from my TikTok lives. I think we met on Rudy, the moderate Democrats live. Yeah, yes. I yeah, I think yeah. that. And that you was guys it. keep asking for him to come back on the live, but he's in Britain. I'm in America. So if I usually go out live at night, that's like 4 a.m. your time. So this will be a little bit better. We can both talk about, um, you know, you're not going to be drifting off to sleep and I'm not going to be wired or something. So <laughs> <laughs> this is probably. Yes. Um, so I, I'm really excited to speak to you because, like I said, like so many people have been asking like to hear more from you. Um, but I think I want to start out by saying that we're both not Jewish and we both don't live in Israel or have a tie to Israel. And I think that's kind of important. Just nice. Yeah, I think that's kind of important because, you know, I think people have made this an issue of like only Jewish people care and I care and I think you care. And to me, it's more of like a moral issue of like kind of right versus wrong and not saying that all Palestinians are wrong but Hamas is wrong and they're the ones that we the October 7th decks so um I want to first get into your background can you tell us a little bit about your background yeah sure um I'm you know Param is a, is actually a, a very Persian type type of name I'm Iranian originally born in Iran but um but was raised in Britain. I came here when I was a child. So, as a, as a famous uh, another famous Iranian podcaster who always says, you know, I was um, born in Iran but made in England. Um, so that's uh, that's the basic background. Um, obviously, being born in Iran, most people are born into a Muslim family. So since I was the same, even though my family were not really religious, actually they were very a religious, especially my dad, uh, until. Um, Later on in life, I think people become a bit more religious when they become older, I guess, because my mom then, she did go to Hajj. My grandmothers and my you know, grandparents sort of age were more religious. My grandma always wore the hijab and, and all that stuff, went to Mecca like twice. Uh, again, never preachy about it, though. It was like their religion. It was for them. They, uh, they sort of taught us what they knew. 
but they kind of left us to it. They didn't, you know, force us into anything. It wasn't like you had to go to mosque every Friday or any, anything like that. Of course, you actually, funnily enough, at school, because we were in Iran when I was at school there, yeah, it was the government pushed you into it, but not um, not my family. Uh, and in fact, quite earlier on, uh, my family were very, very anti-regime. So they, um, yeah, they, they kind of expressed their anti-regime, if you like, sentiments quite early in um sorry about this i'm just uh, i'm altering a little bit of screens here uh yeah in the in my uh, in my childhood so i grew up mostly a religious or just sort of you know just in the peripheral peripheries religion wasn't really a big part of our lives um i guess maybe that's why i have my secular ideas and my secular sort of humanist views is really because you have to kind of build up a world view as a as a young young person either way even though i kind of had this god belief sort of vague god god belief sort of pantheistic type of belief deistic type of belief but you have to kind of build a worldview now religion i will say that that is the one element that i think you know the western world kind of throughout the baby of the bathwater is the religion does build a a structure around the person's life it gives you that that structural support it gives you that framework to work with as a human as a human being trying to make sense of the world so it, it does make it easier for a lot of people especially if you're that military kind of mindset where you're just you're just happy to be told what to do islam is brilliant for that <laughs> if you if you just want to be told what to do don't think too much don't think for yourself greatly just 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 do what you're told and follow the herd uh then yeah that's a great religion i mean don't get me wrong other religions are great at it too but islam is like really good at that a very very militaristic ideology so um and i was never good at that i'm always bad at those things i always go against the grain if someone tells me not to do something that is the only thing i want yeah, to do I mean, it's, it's like i now have to do that because you said don't do it and I can't sleep until I've done that thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's horrific. I, I'm I'm terrible at that. But I think, uh, you know, they say skeptics and atheists. Uh, we're not we're not built. We're made. We're just just made that way. We just are the ones who are going to always poke uh, where we're not supposed to poke uh, or, or or question what we're not supposed to question. So it's really hard for me in life to to just simply let it be and just do as I'm told. And that's probably why, you know, I I, I get into some of the some of the problems that I get into in life, uh, but uh, that's a, has a whole other whole other story. But either way, yeah, I grew up in 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 Britain. I have a very secular point of view. Don't get me wrong; being from the Middle East, um, I have some connection to the Palestinian-Israeli sort of conflicts, and I can kind of sympathize with some of the some of the uh, grievances that the Palestinians have uh, in regards to essentially European and American foreign policy. To be honest with you, that's where it mostly hinges on uh, and of course no countries without criticism everybody's at fault but looking at the landscape right now and I've been saying this to the Palestinians and I've got a best friend of mine who's a Palestinian he's been my best friend for 23 years he's like my you know one of my brothers that's how close we are of course I'm sympathetic to their cause but they are going about it very very badly mm -hmm. They are not going to achieve. If this was like a, a game plan to to get something done, to get to a goal, this is the worst possible way that they could ever try to get there. Because 
they're not going to achieve it. They are vastly outgunned and outnumbered. Um, not necessarily outnumbered, but if you look at the global landscape, then they're outnumbered that way as well because nobody agrees with them. You know, I've had I've seen Saudis, Arab like Saudis with the with the dish dash, you know, the the stuff that they wear, talking about how the Palestinians are a pain in the butt for them. And how that they've off, they, you know, the king Faisal, I think, or one of the kings uh, offered them ninety nine percent of everything they wanted in the early days, in the early years, and they totally rejected it. And the other Arabs, kind of encourage, or the other Arab Arabized nations, Jordan and 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 Syria and stuff, encouraged them not to accept it. The Saudis were willing to settle this decades ago. The I'm sure the Gulf Arabs are all ready to settle this decades ago because it's bad business for them as well. You know, they're dealing with them with the Western world. They've profited tremendously from the Western uh, civilization, Western world. They're, you know, they live in cal- castles and mansions and they don't want to lose those castles and mansions and those giant yachts. So they're, 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 they're looking out for their, their own back and they know that this Palestinian Israel issue is a thorn in their, in their side. That this is hampering us so. I mean, only a few months back, I was literally this time last year. I was talking to an, an Israeli guy who goes to Speakers Corner because I attend Speakers Corner quite semi frequently in London, and we, you know, you get a big mix of everyone. And there was a, I'm, I'm, you know, quite friendly with the Jews and the Christians there because clearly I'm an apostate from Islam, so the Muslims hate my guts. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, you kind of gravitate towards natural allies, right? Uh, and it is a bit of a division there. I mean, as much as we like to think we live in some melting pot, no, we don't. People are tribal. People, you know, gravitate towards their own sort of like-minded individuals. And I, you know, I'm much more like-minded with the Christians and the Jews than I am with with Muslims. I'm, I'm be quite frank. Don't get me wrong. The Muslims who are not religious or not uber religious, we chat, we have a laugh. It's all great. <laughs> I've got loads of uh, Middle Eastern friends. When I go out, it looks like a OPEC meeting, uh, but it's because my friends, we go out, we all drink, we all, you know, we're all secular people. We're not religious. So that's what we get along. If it was some guy who wanted me to go to mosque every week, I wouldn't be friends with him for more than five minutes. It would just be someone I'd just say hi to because he's crazy religious and I'm not. So you obviously not going to be able to gel with people you don't really are, li- are not like-minded. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, and and one of the Jews, uh, one of the Jewish chaps, uh, he was he was so happy this time last year, literally this time last year, he was so happy that Israel had finally made um, sort of broken ground and became friendly with the with the Gulf nations, and that the Jews could fly from Tel Aviv to Dubai, to Bahrain, to Kuwait, uh, and 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 uh, you know relationships with Saudi Arabia was becoming normalized, and and they could fly to to Saudi Arabia and uh, from time to time and without requiring yeah, well actually no I think they still require visas but. I remember back in 2000, and I think it was 2000, I want to say 2011, 2010, 2011, I think it was in that region. I, I went to Dubai, no, sorry, 2012, 2013. I went to Dubai for New Year's Eve parties because they, they you know, they have those massive fireworks. It's just a great time. We had to stop in uh, Riyadh for three, four hours, like a you know change of flights. I checked for the a visa application to see if we can go into Riyadh maybe. You no, know, just spend an hour or two just see what Riyadh is like before we have to catch the next flight. Um, first of all, yeah, we had to get visas and it was a long process. So we, we, we left that. 
but it literally stipulated on the Saudi Arabian website, if you are from Israel, you will not be granted a visa. Yeah. That was boom on there. No Israelis are allowed in Saudi Arabia. All of a sudden, you know, half a decade later, or maybe maybe nearly a decade later, and bam, Israelis are about to fly to Saudi Arabia. Something unfathomable to me. Um, same as um, Dubai and other places. This was all working out. This was becoming like a you know the place that that region was finally like the fires were kind of quelling a little bit, becoming uh, human. You know, just just like oh my god, we could actually human beings could live together. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it goes to the the notion in America we're seeing where like they they have these big divides over things like race, but really the divide exists over economic. Um, status i would say and obviously the saudis and all of these gulf states have much more in common with the israelis who are a tech hub security hub military superpower technology and economic superpower than they do with the palestinians who they give billions of dollars to over the years and they build rockets with it out of you know, water pipes. Um, and so it, it it starts to under you start to understand why why the Saudis and these other countries want to make peace with Israel, but they can't do it outright. I mean, they've had normal like they've talked the leadership for years. Um, I've read books about like the Sultan of Oman inviting Netanyahu into his home before the Abraham Accords, but they can't do it to the public because the public is still more pro-Palestinian than pro-Israeli. So it's it's kind of an interesting exactly. thing. It totally goes to what you're saying about tribalism. Because it it all is just coming down to the tribes at the end of the at the end of the day, and I wonder what the solution is around that. I don't know what that would be. Look, um, to be perfectly honest, and and to and for me anyway, of uh, to to be um, a person of uh, of of um, to know the limits of my intellect. This is what I what I've learned in life is to recognize your your limits and try not to not to pretend to be more intelligent than you are and for someone of my caliber i will honestly tell you that i have not even i'm not even yeah. close to recommending a solution to this i am i am far from an individual that could it is so arrogant of people who think they can uh, possibly suggest solutions to this situation where they are so ill-informed and so ill-educated on the subject matter and the region that for me no, I, I I wouldn't even begin to say that. The only thing I can suggest, the only thing I can see that is the first step towards any kind of uh, resolution is that the Palestinians and the Hamas and and any organization in in within the Palestinian uh, authorities has to number one unequivocally accept Israel's existence. If there's any doubt in that and if there's any reservations in that then nothing can happen nothing can go forward the, 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 the what i hear and the rhetoric that i hear and i've been listening to tiktok most of the day you know as on like an ipod uh, like a podcast while i work and a lot of these live debates especially the pro palestinians none of them none of them they, and by the way these are all chicken hawks what we call you know you, you i think in america you guys are familiar with the chicken hawk concept uh, someone who's brave uh, 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 you know who wants to go to war 
but they themselves will never put themselves in the firing line. Right. They just encourage other people to go to, you know what I mean? These war uh, hawks or chicken hawks is, is, is the expression I've heard a lot in America, uh, where these people will never themselves put themselves or any of their family members in any kind of danger, but they're more than happy to go, go get them, Palestinians. Go, go destroy Israel. Yes, from the river to the sea. Whilst they don't actually realize the consequences of that rhetoric. They don't, they don't have to live the consequences of that rhetoric. They don't have to live on rubbles. They don't have to dig their children out of a rubble that day. It's the Palestinians that do that. So anyone who makes these kind of rhetoric to me is an enemy of the Palestinians. The, the, you see, the way I see it is that there are those who are friends of Palestinians but despise Hamas and anyone who tries to create this war rhetoric and then there are those who pretend to be friends of uh, Palestinians, but in fact, their actions and their and their rhetoric lead to nothing but more deaths of Palestinians. And that's 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 uh, and they and they they're the ones who cry free Palestine, like as if they're going to do anything about it. Right. Well, they do do they'll do nothing. And then they blame Sorry. all of it on Israel. So everything is Israel's fault. Now I'm, I understand the situation at hand, and Israel has done things wrong. Right. Like, I'm not I'm never going to say that they're. However, you know, if you keep if you have a dictator in charge that you can't speak out against and who is not acting on behalf of the people and protecting its people, I don't understand. They they seem to blame every single thing on Israel, especially the occupation. And I think what people don't understand, the occupation got worse or the border got tighter security at after the intifadas so the intifadas were when palestinians would go into israel and have suicide bombs or knife attacks something to try and kill israelis that border between gaza and israel used to be like el paso and texas that you could freely go through and it's really easy it takes five minutes now it's much more heavily guarded and people get in trouble if they even go near the border in gaza because it, it looks like they're about to come kill Israelis. Obviously, they're going to have stricter security over that. And that sucks for all of the innocent people of Gaza. But when terrorists don't usually wear uniforms and they try and make themselves look like innocent civilians up to the point where they kill, obviously, Israel's going to have to do what it does and profile people. It's terrible, but it's human nature. Of course it is. Of course it's insane to. It would be suicidal, and and it would it would. I mean, I just want anyone from any country in the world, and including the Arab nations, by the way, which they themselves would slaughter limb from limb anyone who would come into their country and blow themselves up or try to stab their citizens. They would literally tear that person and their family members apart. <laughs> it's insane to think. I would let people who are going to kill my people into my country. Who does that? Well, what kind of... <laughs> it's, it doesn't... These, it's like sometimes I don't think they can hear themselves say the things that they say. <laughs> because like today, today I was listening to one of these pro-Israeli live bro, uh, streams on TikTok who was saying exactly that. Oh, the solution is to open the borders and to allow free movement. Are you insane? Do you know why they put up those borders? They put up those walls because children were being blown up in pizza parlors. 
This is what I mean. People have the most ridiculous low, I don't know, low or short-term memory problems. I don't I don't know what it is. Maybe it's in the water. Maybe it's the, the weed that they're, they're smoking. But they have literally no memory past a few days. There are people denying what happened on October 7 already. Yeah. Oh, God. Denying that they took hostages, but then saying, well, they're giving back the hostages. I thought they didn't take them. It's kind of weird. I wonder, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna say <laughs> I wonder why... I, it's so you know, weird. I wonder if it's if you keep, if you have a up dictator in, the West, in charge, and I know you grew up or you were born in Iran but have grown up in the, the West. People, I wonder if it's that we just lived people. at a, in I don't a relative understand. They, time they of seem peace. to blame every single so thing on Israel people over here. The, the, just don't get it. Someone took issue with me on live. The occupation got worse, or the border got tighter. They said, "Well, what are you talking about, military age men? How dare you group all men in with that?" So the intifada is where when men. Ages, Palestinians you know, would go into Israel, and it, it was very clear suicide bombs that, or you know, that knife attacks something to try and kill Israelis. Type of way, and that they have border any sort of between Gaza and Israel together, used to be like that, El Paso and Texas that you could freely now, go through, and it's really easy. It takes five minutes against all of them. Now, no, but it's when much more heavily guarded, and people get in trouble if they go near the border in Gaza. You know, because you get a little bit more nervous when it's military age male approaching the border with what looks like could be a weapon. Have stricter security over that, and that sucks for all the innocent like people of Gaza. And, and it should And the United States, we have don't actually wear uniforms, which and they is a big try problem. and make themselves look like innocent civilians. Not organized, but like, they kill. what is that? Like a fifteen-year-old obviously kid Israel's who going to have wants to cause a lot of damage and does. I I don't usually has a lot of psychological and trauma and other things going on. But yeah, you're right. The thing is. The Muslims, this is what I will tell you, any Muslim worth his salt that knows their religion knows absolutely what a military age man is because they all know the story of Abu Khuraiza, which is the Jewish tribe that Muhammad slaughtered and he slaughtered their boys based on whether they had reached puberty yeah. or not. Because that is what they determine as someone who becomes or or is now reached what they call military age. Even though some of them were probably maybe 12 or 13, but he assessed all of those men to be of military, uh, uh, essentially a danger to his future rule, which is what everybody did, by the way. This wasn't like Muhammad's, ex was like some southern exception on this. No, uh, the the emperors and the kings of uh, of Europe did that. They used to, when they sieged a, a, a castle and they took the castle, they used to kill the king and all his relatives, all his children just to make sure there's no one who's going to come back and challenge for the throne again. That was a common practice. I'm not saying it's you know, it's a wonderful thing. It's brutal. But that's that's the Middle Ages for you. That was the 7th century and, and all of that. The human history is literally dripping with blood. It's it's a, it's it's horrific. You look at human history. It's, it's a thing of nightmares. But that's how it is. That's what that's what people did to protect themselves. That's how how far they went to protect their own and protect their 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 families and their kingdoms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They would slaughter thousands and thousands with the sword, not even with guns and bullets. The guns and bullets came a lot long after, uh, but that's what people did. So, and and the Muslims, believe it or not would not shy one second from any of that if the power was in their hand. If the sword was in their hand, they would not hesitate. This is a classic, they say it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's become kind of a cliche now, 
if Israel puts down, it's, it's, if the Arabs put down, or the Palestinians, Hamas puts down their weapons tomorrow, there would be peace in that region. If Israel puts down their weapons, there'll be no Israel. There'll be no Jews. They'll be slaughtered. What happened in October 7th is a micro-fracture, like a little window into what these people are capable of. It's, 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 and, and, and you see, and you see the barbarism, you see the, the horrific, I mean, you know, people are like, oh, but people need the, uh, you know, uh, they, they have the right to self-defense. What, at what point does the right to self-defense involve raping and burning people alive? Cutting off babies' heads. Is that self-defense? Were you defending yourself against that child, that, that baby? And that, they show me, they have the goal to show me babies in incubators because of, because of the, the, the Al-Shifa hospital and all of that. Even though Israel moved most of them to another hospital, put them in incubators to try to save their lives. That's what Israel tried to do. They tried to save them. Whether they succeeded or not, I'm not 100%. I, I didn't, you know, I haven't, I haven't it's been up to date with the words, though, exact It's results. so hard to see like the full context and when you both sides are putting out things that are wrong you know but it's an act of war zone yeah. it's so um it's moving at such a fast pace who can know but i think what the hamas side does especially is they put out one picture of a bunch of incubators yep. and i think israel somewhat dispelled it like what you said like no we moved most of them and stuff but once that picture's yeah. out it's just like it happened well, you yeah, can't argue with these people yeah, exactly. Exactly. There was such a, like I said, this one that I listened to because of, if you like, it was kind of my pre-research for this, to sort of try to steel man the other side's argument, to listen to their arguments, to see what they are coming with. For example, a, a girl, and actually not just this girl, another couple of boys while I was at one of the Palestinian, pro-Palestinian protests in London covering that for one of my live streams on my channels, um, they were like, look how well they're looking after the hostages. Look at this insanity that they can't comprehend when they're showing me pictures of well-looked-after hostages. What they don't realize is that, do you know what would be better than looking after the hostages really well? Not taking them as hostages. <laughs> Not actually murdering their families and taking them from their families. You know, that would have been so much better than looking after them whilst you have them in your dun dungeons. <laughs> it's it, that, it is, it's like, that's one of the harder arguments for me to have. Like, well, it sounds like they were treated way better than Israel treats their people in prison. It's like the Sinwar, Yaha Sinwar, the leader had cancer. When he was in Israeli jail, he was able to learn other languages. He got an education and they treated his cancer. And how? what did he do when he was released in one of these hostage exchanges? He went back and planned October 7th. So these two sides are not, you know, they're yeah, not God. going for the same goal it's... here. And I want to believe in the classical liberal ideal that like as long as everyone has a good education and good economic opportunity, they won't fight. But... I think there's like a 96% literacy rate in Gaza. And I mean, there's not very many economic prospects, right. although Israel was allowing more to go into southern Israel and work and earn European wages and then live in Gaza where the cost of living yeah. is lower. And that those people who were working in Israel, they reported on all of these kibbutzes that they were working in and brought that information back to Hamas so that they knew who to attack on October 7th. So it's like I... So it became a reconnaissance mm -hmm. mission instead of actually going out to work. Right. To earn a, uh, earn a wage. So that's that's where it's like, you know, this tribalism thing, it just runs so deep. 
that I I mean the whole thing of like a one state solution or like oh well why can't it just be one state I mean it's just preposterous you can't have a state it's where half the state wants to kill the so other hard half. state you can't have that exactly it, this is what I'm saying yeah. this is what I said the first step has to be acceptance of either party both parties accepting that they are going to live there together whether they like it or not now they can they can shun each other. They cannot have any cooperation with each other, but you, one party cannot actively try to kill the other party and then expect the other party to behave nicely to them. You just, I'm sorry, that's not going to work. That's just not going to work. You're going to have to stop wanting to kill us before we can get along or before we can even just live as, you know, in the same region, but separate, if you like, you know, turn your back to them and don't look at them. But if you're actively trying to kill them, then nothing is going to change. All it's going to result in is bigger walls, bigger borders, bigger fences, bigger guns. Because Israel isn't, isn't this, this is what I'm trying to say, is that the fundamental part of this is Israel is not going anywhere. That is not going to change. This is the reality in which you're going to have to accept. Just like when the Muslim armies came out of the Middle East and went into Babylon, went into Assyria, went into Egypt, went into Morocco, all the way to Spain, at some point, these countries had to accept that they are going to have to be Muslim because it's not changing. They ran, it's, they ran Spain for 800 years. 800 years. Israel has only been in existence for 75 years and they're losing their collective mind. <laughs> they ran Spain and, and Albania. They were all the way into Europe for hundreds of years. And they don't, you know, they don't bat an eyelid for that. Oh, no, that was all good. That was good jihad. That was that was for the benefit of the Spaniards. The Spaniards did so well. In fact, look at that. They translated all of these works of, uh, what was it? They, they always claim that they, tr they translated the works of Aristotle and Plato and all of these things. Um, during the, the golden era of Islam, the golden era. They always claim it's the golden era, even though when you actually look into it, you realize it wasn't that golden for the non-Muslims. It was golden for the Muslims. Oh, it was awesome for the Muslims. <laughs> they were having a whale of a time. <laughs> but not so much for the rest yeah. of us. <laughs> well, that, that's good colonization. That colonization was fine because now they're so anti-colonization, which is weird because... That they word wasn't used when Israel, on all when of Jews began immigrating to in, the land of Palestine before to Hamas, Israel became a state, so that they, knew they who only to started using on anti-colonization. So it's like I, during the rise of like Nasserism, is that I always pronounce that wrong, but like that Arab nationalism under the leader of Egypt, he was, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay, he was okay, the one yeah. who was like, oh, we need to get rid of colonization. As Britain was decolonizing and moving out of Egypt, he's like, we need to get rid of this. And then yeah, it sure. didn't have really get that much state better where half the state but, wants know, to kill the other half. It's state. interesting to me when you people can't have like that. It, they've yeah. taken back to like being Iranian too. They've taken blatant talking points of Nassar. They've taken blatant regime talking points and they just repeat them and it makes me really scared in the west like the whole um zionist entity that's what they call israel now that's what Khomeini calls israel like you can't oh, see yeah, this yeah. yeah they've they've managed to um it's i don't want to i don't want to veer off topic too much but it's like that whole thing of sex and gender yeah. where there, there used to be one thing but now there are two different things and it's all separated 
Zionism and Jews used to be essentially the same thing. It used to be synonymous Jews and Zionism, Jews, vast majority of Jews, even in the diaspora. Although there are some, you know, enclaves of, of Jews, Hasidic Jews or whatever the particular Jew, Jewish groups who don't support Palestine, uh, Israel, vast majority of Jews everywhere support Israel. 99, I would put wager 90 to 99% of Jews are Zionists because they all support the existence of the state of Israel because they know, because they've, they, they, they're they not blind to their history. They know what has happened around the world with Jews. This is, was the whole point of the Jewish-Israeli project so that they have a place when their pogroms come upon them, when holocausts come upon them, they have a place that they can run to, that no one, that they can defend themselves and have a country of their own. Literally, there's a movie called Braveheart where the entire movie was about people wanting to have a country of their own. And they praised that movie and gave it multiple Oscars. <laughs> but somehow when the Jews want the same thing, they're evil. Well, and then they always say it's like, well, you know, if we like if they didn't steal the land, well, based on human history, they didn't steal that land. They won it fairly. But even without that, okay, in Nazi Germany, they said, okay, if we just put them in ghettos and they stay there, it's fine. And then it wasn't fine that they were in the ghettos. Then they had to put them in the death camps. So now they're doing the same thing over and over again. Well, we're fine with Jews, just not Zionists yeah, it, on our land. No, you'd, yeah. you'd, you'd find a reason yeah, not to like them anywhere they are. That so let them be there and let them have a military to, to defend themselves. Because clearly they need it. Precise. Because you're repeating the same talking points that come up. You know, not you, these problems. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. the pro-Palestinians, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, when um, what's it called? When they when they say, "Oh, we're fine with Jews," and but we're not fine with the Zionists, that's because most of the time, for the entirety of at least uh, certainly, I think uh, for sure, Islamic history, Jews were second class citizens in those. Oh, it's okay. We're fine with Jews as long as they're beneath our boot, and and uh, as long as they're underneath Sharia law. But not when Jews run things. No, no, no. We're not fine with that. And I guarantee you, if Christians were not powerful nations and they couldn't, you know, defend themselves and protect themselves from the Muslims, the Muslims would say the same things about Christians too. It's just they can't, you know, they they they, they simply cannot defeat the Christians, and certainly not in this century. Uh, and and they were defeated in previous centuries. But it was because the Christians pushed back. Because eventually the Christians got up and started to push against the massive incursion of the of the Islamic caliphates. The whole of you know you know the whole of North Africa was Christian. Mm -hmm. Egypt was a Christian nation. Tunisia was a the, the oldest Bibles in the world exist and the oldest churches in the world exist in North Africa. This is the other narrative which was amazing to me that, like you know I don't know sometimes over the years you start to realize the propaganda. The Muslims go to Africa and tell the Africans that the colonizers came here and made you Christian. And what they don't tell them is that Africa was the first place to become Christian before Europe. Churches were built in North Africa, in Egypt, in Tunisia, in Morocco, before they were built in Europe. The Europeans were actually last in the line of becoming Christians because it started from Jerusalem. It started from the Middle East and it came across North Africa and some of, you know, sort of Eastern Europe 
and eventually it made it to Spain and 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 uh, what's it called? Um, uh, Britain and 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 Germany and all the rest. They were actually the Tunisians and Egyptians were Christians hundreds of years before the English were. Before the the Germans. Well, were. and then also when they talk about well, Christianity and then they spreading, say it's like, they well, talk about you know, it as if we, it spread like, through. If they didn't steal the land, the equivalent well, of a caliphate, based on it human history, they didn't went steal that land. The word they wanted like, the emperor of Rome but didn't burn it. I even believe. without like, that, it, okay, it wasn't military. Not, Constantine. Yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't okay, militarily, militarily and they spread like there, Islam. It's fine, and then it wasn't fine. They just ghettos. They leave that out. I mean, there were the Crusades and stuff. I mean, obviously. Yeah, but but no, the Crusades were actually a re, uh, a response to Islamic right. invasion. The Crusades came about because of the Islamic caliphates. But eventually, if you want to take it to, let's say, uh, you know, the colonized uh, nations of sub uh, sub-Saharan Africa or maybe the the New World, the Americas, then yeah, the Christians took it there and they 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 went there with a with with more than just Bibles. Yeah. They they had <laughs> guns and machetes too, but. That's actually more recent history as far as global world history is concerned. The thousands, if you're going back, if you're going back two, three thousand years, yes, the Christians were the ones who were being thrown into the the, the Colosseum uh, in, against lions. They were being fed to lions in the Colosseum for sport. The Christians were 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 nothing. They were peons. They were less than some slaves. In fact, it was that eventually this faith. Now I'm not I'm not here to big up Christianity. I'm not a like a major thing for Christianity, but I'm just saying this faith seemed to be pervasive and it seemed to just not go away. And eventually the Romans recognized that it is better to absorb this religion than to try to constantly fight it because it seems that these Christians are just happily being fed to lions and they're still Christian. <laughs> they don't seem to want to give this thing up. So and their soldiers and their own people were becoming Christians. Mm -hmm. So it was a clever political jostling to make Christianity part of the Roman Empire. Constantine, you know, be, uh, made it. And then they started to write the Bible, essentially, with the Council of Nicaea and all the other things that started happening. And the Catholic Church started. But it was far better for them to absorb Christianity than it was to constantly try and fight it because it looked like it's not going away. It's something that is pretty pretty strong and and pe people who believe it they, they have some something inside them that really wants to hold on to this um and i suppose the same with jews really jews are a similar sort of thing they they really hold on to their religion uh no matter what they're faced with they they won't you know i've i've seen very few jews give up their religion in order to live a comfortable life they would rather live a terrible life and still live their uh, hold their faith, um, and maybe maybe that's something historic. Maybe that's something to do with the comp, you know all the all the uh, you know fights they had to fight to keep their religion, so it means something to them. Unlike uh, other people who were simply born into the lap of luxury, that's why it's easier to let go of. You know, again, I don't want to digress, but you know, like how people are apathetic towards voting, for example, in, in you know young people and and sort of. Gen X's and Gen Z's and millennials, the, uh, it's because it's so easy for them. It came to them, they were born into this freedom, they were born into this option. Whilst actually African-Americans and some Africans in, in the Afro-Caribbeans in Britain who had to fight for their right to vote are much more serious about that than those you know who came after them, and especially older African-Americans. Uh, but generally, that's what I'm saying. Something that comes easy is of no value to you. 
That's there's a diff, there's a reason why everybody wants gold and nobody gives a crap about rocks. Because rocks are everywhere. Yes. Gold, you have to go and dig it out. You have to go find it. You have to kill yourself to get a whole piece of it. So yeah, rocks don't matter. Gold matters because it's hard to get. Anything in life that's worth having is 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 hard to ach- attain. Uh, if it's easy, then no, you're not going to care about it. And this is the same uh, with, I think, religions, uh, with especially the Jews. But that's why the Christians, I think the Christians are losing majority of their, their faith in, in the Western world uh, for that reason. It's just life is easy. I, it is. It is like the weird societal pattern of like things get easy and then it, people get weak and then things get hard and then people get strong. I'm yeah, but like that that is kind of what we're in and it kind of goes back to like the the fact that people in the west I just feel like we just don't even understand what war is. I don't have a military background. I don't think that you do. But I don't. I don't. I'm seeing these like people who are just like, well what, they're just going to go kill everyone? It's like, well, that's what militaries do. That's what that's, happens in that's war. war and I don't <laughs> want war, right? But wars are waged for reasons and they keep being waged until that reason i mean militaries are so methodical and like there's such a hierarchy in place that like hey this is the objective we're going to break down how to get that objective then we're going to use manpower to you know push through this objective that's like what we did in mosul and fallujah and all of these different things and and Mm. people don't understand I, I just think that people in the West now don't understand like what those objectives either even are, and then they just they think that it's all wrong or yeah. I, or that it's I, thing, I don't know I don't get it. The thing is, um, I think to some extent, at least in the last you know twenty years or so, to say the least. If I mean, you could even go back further to the maybe the first Gulf War as well. A lot of the wars that were fought, maybe even Vietnam to some extent were not wars like the wars Israel yeah. is fighting. They were not for the direct protection of your existence. They were for political jostling around the world. They were for resources. They were for all sorts of intangible things that people can't, people who live in the West don't have a direct connection to. So it's not like I have. To, we have to go to this war because my wife and kids mm-hmm. are going to die. That's not that's not really what they were that these wars are being fought for, and I think that's probably why there's been this disconnect and distrust of why countries go to war. Totally. Um, the other thing is also, of course, a lot of them don't really. I, I think is maybe we we become so disconnected, we don't. You know, we watch ridiculous things like uh, like war movies, Platoon or Die Hard, or or you know we've been desensitized. Uh, the the guy you know throws a grenade and he just walks away, and and twenty you know shops blow up. Uh, they just and Call of Duty and all of these things. So we don't think it's real. It's almost like I've heard people talk about respawn points in war. It's like. There are no respawn points. It's one spawn. <laughs> That's it. You get one chance and then you're gone. You don't come back to have a go again. What is wrong with some of these people? Some of the phrasing, some of the wording that, I, that I've that i heard people use frivolously when it comes to war and conflict is like, you guys are so pampered. It's unbelievable. I just want to come and slap you, wake you up and recognize the the utter brutality 
and the horrific aspect of war, first of all, that we should go, we should not go into it so lightly. It should be the hardest decision any military or political leader can ever make. And unfortunately, I think we, our, our, our leaders have led us down that way. They, they've made, they've gone into certain wars, uh, which we've, you know, with the test of time realized they took very, very frivolous, you know, they use the, the lives of our, our soldiers very badly. They, they, they got us into wars, which, you know, should not have happened. We should have worked these out differently, but okay, it is what it is. But when it comes to Israel, that's an entirely different thing. This is not Iraq. This is not Afghanistan. This is not Vietnam. No one's going to win a political, you know, jostling or, or have some kind of political resources out of this. No, Israel is fighting for its existence. The people who want to kill them want to get rid of them. They are literally fighting to save their wives and children. That is the, the reason the IDF, an IDF soldier is, if I don't do this, they're going to die tomorrow or they're going to be in some hole being exchanged for another prisoner of war by you know Israel. And, and most of these prisoners seem to be, from what I can gather, criminals anyway. They're stabbing people. They're, they're trying to kill Israelis. That's the yeah. reason that they're mostly in those prisons. So that's, that's a different, that's the mindset of an Israeli soldier versus a mindset of maybe an American soldier or, or a British soldier is where, where I'm fighting to save my children. They're fighting for some, I don't know, Raytheon or some uh, Halliburton to, uh, to make, a, make an extra pound or dollar on the stock market. And that's, that there is, there are these things that are all these complications that I'm trying to point out is we live in a world where we are removed from so many things. Christ, I know people who can't chop up a whole chicken. You know, I know people who can't give quarter a whole chicken. Like I put a whole chicken in front of them. They're like, oh, I only have breasts. I'm like, yeah, the breast is in that chicken. You're going to have to chop it up to get the breast. <laughs> No, no, I just want the breast bit because that's how they buy it in a cellophane wrapped little piece of breast. They don't see the chicken. Yeah. It's so, yeah, no, it's, I think we've just become so like, we've become wusses in the West. And then we look at this oh. here and what's going on and we can't fathom it happening to us. And if it did happen to us in the West, by the way, if it happened to Britain, if it happened to the United States, if Canada or Ireland waged these wars, they wouldn't exist maybe the next day. You know what I mean? Like that there would be there would be no one. I mean, nine eleven happened, America justified entering two countries and like taking over for twenty years. Like but they they just can't fathom Israel, Palestine. I and I don't know how they ever will, you know, unless we become war because I just they, don't think that we will. Yeah, it's because they're too separated from it. They're not. Uh, they're not in it. And in a weird way, um, you kind of wished that if y this is the problem. You know, they say uh, sometimes um, the youth the youth is wasted on the young. Uh, this is a saying that my family, you know, older people in my family always used to say: "Youth is wasted on the young." When they're looking at me because I was youthful then, and I understand what they're saying now because I'm not youthful anymore, <laughs> and I know what they what they mean. The fact is. That unfortunately, in this day and age, young people, especially when I hear these young people talk about this, this Palestine-Israel, I think you know so little in life that you are this. This subject matter is 
is beyond you, is is unbelievably beyond you <laughs> to comment on. And you so brashly talk about it as if you think you know something and you know nothing. You've never lived a single day like a Palestinian in Gaza or like an Israeli in in, in Tel Aviv or in the in the uh, kibbutz, uh, having to live under that fear, having to live under that 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 anxiety that at any moment monsters are at your door or a rocket comes through your 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 ceiling. Don't get me wrong; I'm trying to point out both sides are suffering. Both sides are suffering. This isn't like oh the, the Israelis are suffering, but the Palestinians are not. This is horrific on both sides, but there is a clear, for me at this level, at this particular point, a bad guy in this. And the bad guy is Hamas. In this situation, without my a, sh- a shadow of a doubt in my mind, they are the bad guys because what they did was was truly monstrous. Now, now there are people who say conspiracy, you know, conspiracy theories are all over the place, by the way, with this stuff, uh, especially what happened on October 7th. Oh, no, Israel allowed them to come in and da, 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 da. And I'm, and I'm saying to them, look, okay, let's, let's take your conspiracy and say Israel opened the gates, said Hamas, please welcome, come on through. But it still took that Palestinian boy, that Hamas soldier, to bring himself to rape and massacre that person, to rape that woman, to shoot that old lady, to kill that baby. It still was within him. He had the gun in his hand. Israel didn't point and shoot it for him. No one picked it up for him and do it for him. He had to still do that. So the level of insanity and the level of barbarism and the level of hate that you must achieve to do that, to carry that act out, that is still on that Palestinian man's hand. That Hamas fighter's hand. That, that that doesn't absolve him. Doesn't matter what Israel did. No matter how many red carpets they rolled out and let them to come out, you had to kill that person. You had to bring yourself to do that. It was the Palestinians who were spitting on the dead body of that poor girl in the back of that pickup truck. It wasn't the Israeli soldiers. It wasn't IDF soldiers that were spitting on the on the on the corpse of that woman. So you still have to blame. You, this is still. The the chunk of this guilt, the the bigger portion of this responsibility, rests upon the shoulders of those Hamas fighters and those Hamas and the Palestinians from the Gaza who did this. You can't absolve them of that. I don't care how much mental gymnastics you want to run in your head and how many conspiracy theories you want to. You can be Alex Jones for all I care. You're still not going to absolve yourself of those Hamas fighters raped and killed women and children. And ironically... This is the insanity. The majority of Muslims will tell you the Quran explicitly says you cannot kill women and children in mm. war. It, and, 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 I, and I'm not a fan of Islam. I am far from a fan of Islam. And I can say that is exactly what I've been told and preached to for decades. Muhammad would not approve of this, ironically. It's weird because it's... <laughs> I was listening to someone talk about this the other day or an interview where they were saying like all religion is bad and then the response was well is all religion bad or is it just bad when it's used to justify self-interest and I think it's unarguable that the Hamas leadership it is in their self-interest to not accept a peace deal with Israel and to keep on fighting because they're all in Qatar they don't have to spill any of their own blood they get billions of dollars in aid 
and they get to skim a lot of it off the top. A lot of them are billionaires. They are they have a higher net worth than Oprah. They have a beautiful real yeah. estate portfolio all over Crazy. the world. Yeah, think about the impact that Oprah's had <laughs> with like her media empire <laughs> versus like Yaha Sehwar, and uh, he's worth twice as much as her, I think. Um, I might it's have crazy. that wrong or it's that crazy. that exact figure on, but I mean it's crazy. They're all worth three and four billion dollars. They fly on private jets everywhere. How do they keep funding this lifestyle by taking in eight dollars from the UN and Britain and America? And we try and put stipulations on them, and we don't have the stomach to really carry out with them because if we carry those out, then they're going to come back at us and say, "Well, really, you're going to cut funding for all these poor children of Gaza?" And so we stay in this cycle, and that's why it's in everyone's interest, the West, um, the Arab leaders, Israel, to just take out Hamas and like put someone in that's going to be better and i just i don't even know if we're going to have the stomach to go through with it now like i don't yeah i mean there's a couple of things on that um number one i again i'm i listen to these people way too much they were telling me that the hamas leaders are not in qatar and not in lebanon because they're actually in gaza themselves they're actually there i'm like the dude was on al jazeera in Qatar, <laughs> the other one was in Lebanon on TV. Am I supposed to not believe my lying eyes? The ma- what did he sneak out of Gaza, went to Lebanon, did a TV interview, and then snuck back into Gaza? I thought it was under surveillance. This under this open air prison. How did they sneak in and out? <laughs> How is it that this guy manages to get to Qatar and get to Lebanon and then sneak back into the tunnels in Gaza? I don't think they have those. The, 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 I've seen some of the footage of the tunnels. I don't. I didn't see a TV studio no. <laughs> in any of the tunnels. Now maybe I'm missing something, but I did not see a TV studio in those tunnels. So this. Oh my God. Oh Jesus. But yeah. So uh, so there's that. Then what you said about. Uh, about how do we how do we end this cycle? The, the problem is if we end Hamas, I my worry is, and this is this is a worry of of anyone who's concerned about revolutions, is sometimes you think the better the devil you know because you get rid of Hamas, you may end up getting someone ten times worse. We got rid of uh, Saddam Hussein, we got ISIS, <laughs> we got rid of uh, you know um, we went into try to help the Afghans against the Russians, we got Al Qaeda out of that. Uh, so it's like you think to yourself, better the devil you know, better to keep the the the, the monsters that you that you that are in front of you than the monsters you don't know that you're creating. Which, I, by the way, this is another part of criticism of Israel is as much as I know that they're trying to avoid casual de- ca- casualties and and collateral damage, but with every child that a husband or a father, sorry, that pulls out of a rubble you've just created a Hamas or another monster. With every child that's that's you know been orphaned by Israeli bombings, you just created another Hamas fighter. We know that. Elon Musk said it as well. We all know that that's happening. Every time you kill a, a Palestinian's relative, father, mother, son, you're creating another Hamas fighter, essentially. Or you're certainly seeding the, the seeds for Hamas to then, you know, get into their head and start uh, corrupting them, so that's that is a thing. That is a thing that is happening, and is and that's what perpetuates the, the cycle. Somebody has to stop it at some point. I still don't think after October eighth, October seventh, sorry, 
Israel has 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 no. Um, they should not be under any pressure to not head back. That was that was their legitimate right by any accord. No country on earth would have behaved any differently, if not thousand times worse. I can I can almost guarantee. I think America out and out would have just about nuked an entire country for that. Well, their defense minister, one of the ministers, said we should just nuke Gaza, and he was fired immediately. Announced him. So, in Netanyahu, I know the one of his advisors said that many in Israel were pushing Netanyahu to preemptively strike Hezbollah as well this under, because this they've been worried prison, this how do they thesis that and all of these Iranian proxies are going to swoop in as soon as Hamas seems like it'll be toppled. And Netanyahu obviously did not preemptively strike Hezbollah. So, you know, I would argue that they're being very measured in their response, but, you know, nothing nothing's going to get through to these. No. I mean, Hezbollah knew that Lebanon would be just destroyed if they uh, if they threw one rocket one rock over the border towards uh, because that's in but that's how it is that's what you're supposed to you, you know, as if you want to defend your country you have to have such a strong stance to say you touch us and we will you know this isn't an eye for an eye nonsense you take an eye we take your head your house and your spouse <laughs> we'll take the lot don't do anything. Just stay where you are. And there has been an uptick with Hezbollah. I, th- I mean, they. I think their heaviest day of attacks was right before the ceasefire. So, but then like they pull back and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know if they'll enter. I guess my last question would be for you, like being Iranian, I know what I know about like the revolution and stuff, but can you talk mm. a little bit about like the regime's funding of terrorism around the world and like just your perspective on this. I know that's um, kind of like a left, uh, veering left or something. And no, no, no. I mean, uh, well, I mean, the thing is, now this is something that uh, that I find. I, I have my own suspicions, but of course, um, you know, I'm I'm mostly running on what the main mainstream media or the mainstream news kind of tells us. Um, when it comes to Iran, the problem that I find that my questions that, that arise in my head is before Saddam Hussein died, Saddam Hussein was the funder of Hamas, supposedly. They were, he was the one who was giving them $10,000 per per uh, martyr and, and, and funding them, uh, not just uh, Hamas or any PLO, anyone that would suicide themselves uh, in, in, in Israel. So he was the big bad bully and he was the one that was funding all the terrorists in, in, in yeah. uh, Israel. Now Saddam Hussein is, is gone, Iran is the one doing it. I'd be personally, I'd be perfectly honest with you. Iran is a, sh- a Shia nation. They don't necessarily have a lot of love for the Sunnis, right. although they, their rhetoric is they love, they support the Palestinians. Their biggest funder, uh, supporter side, the, the, the people they support the most, if it was the choice, would be Hezbollah over Hamas because Hezbollah is their boys. They're their, that's their, that's their uh, mercenary army that they have in the back. And that is what they use, by the way, if ever a big enough revolution happens in Iran. Anytime an uprising happens in Iran, they don't really bring in other Iranians because other Iranians find it harder to kill another Iranian. They bring in their boys from Hezbollah and they have no problem mowing down Iranian protesters. So that's how they get their their protests quelled that way. So Iran's 
preferred choice of assassins and massacre uh, you know, monsters is Hezbollah. But I think in this recent years, then there is definitely some funding happening. But I think the funding that most people don't seem to acknowledge or talk about a lot is in fact Qatar, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, that are most likely funding Hamas at a much higher rate than Iran is. But nobody wants to mention that. Nobody even even bats an eyelid well, about Qatar that. Well, Qatar funds all of our institutions in the United States. So there's a lot of um, all of these protests, these Ivy League colleges, they take in hundreds of millions of dollars from and Qatar. So people are, Hezbollah. I mean, they, also Qatar, I think their I mean, heaviest day on, of attacks, Qatar, they fund these groups through cryptocurrency. I guess my last question is it, a, is it being Iranian, is it a coincidence I that Bitcoin reached its highest price this year like, the revolution right after it was announced that the Qataris were talking with Hamas about negotiating a hostage deal? Probably not, because they pay them with cryptocurrency so yeah yeah i don't know i could i could talk about that all day but that's yeah this is this is how they funnel all the stuff so that it's hopefully uh as you know they don't get as much trace you know they basically they you know they say tra always follow the money and so they try to hide that trail as much as they can and crypto is one aspect and i'm sure there's other other methods that they use but i've noticed they say have you have you noticed the the lack of criticism for Al Jazeera, which is literally a propaganda machine for the Qataris. It is as, as propagandist as RT is for Russia. <laughs> but nobody mentions no, that. I, it, it's it's crazy. Like... <laughs> and I feel like we don't mention it because of what you said. It's like the devil we know. It's like, well, we have an open channel with them. I'm... I would think that we should have yeah. said, okay, get every single hostage back or... U.S. military base in Doha moves to UAE and you guys can deal with onslaught attacks from Iran or from whoever. Um, mm. That's what I would have argued, but who am I? I'm just a nope. random girl. No, but you nobody. Know? Exactly. Who are we? We're just, <laughs> we're just people who are talking heads on yeah. the internet. Uh, but, but no, that's, that's what I mean. There's a, there's a lot of other things at play here. This isn't as as simple as oh I mean they want to make us as simple. This is all you know. This is the rhetoric is all WWE, bad guy over there. We will bring the elbow down from the top rope. But in reality, the bad guy that you're pointing to, the dude that you pretend is your friend, is the guy who's actually funding the other guy who's going to stab you in the back, yeah. <laughs> and you pretend that this guy's your mate. He's not your friend. He doesn't like you. He's actually funding the people yeah. as well that, 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 that hate your guts, except he's not the one that's going to be caught with a knife in his hand when he stabs you in the yeah. back. That's the problem. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is why I'm saying anyone who thinks they understand this this region and this issue, they don't understand this region and this no. issue. They really don't. They're just arrogant individuals because there's so many moving parts. There's so many. There are things that I mean. What we've just mentioned, I think, is but a mere tiny little tip of that giant iceberg that is probably lying beneath yes. it. You know, so so we are we, we are so far removed from actually what's going on 
what is happening, the 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 the, the chess game that's being okay. played. I mean, God knows what's happening with China, with uh, with Russia in this in this whole thing as well. A lot of a lot of that, I'm sure, there's inv involvement because. The, the BRICS nations, next year, they're going to introduce, they've already introduced it, they're going to join Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, I believe uh, Argentina and Egypt. Uh, it might be one other country that I missed as well. They're all joining the BRICS nations. These uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran are not at odds with each other, believe it or not. It's not as much as you think. like big um, meeting in Saudi Arabia a couple weeks yes. ago. Yeah. yeah, so these guys are all... Uh, you know, so collectivizing, uh, they are a massive threat to the petrodollar, which is something that used to be part of America's national interest. They would go to war with anyone that messed with that. And now, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what your political leanings are in America, but I'm not a fan of Joe Biden because Joe Biden has shown America to be extremely weak, uh, and 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 that is that is causing. All of this other sort of out, you know, these are the these are the things that are going to happen when America is weak in the world. When America doesn't display strength, and when people are not scared of America, people are going to start messing with the with the big lion. They're going to start nibbling at him, uh, and that's what they're doing. I mean, the biggest bite that they're taking is this petrol dollar threat to the petrol dollar because it's just the Arab Emirates and Iran start to sell their oil in other currencies than the dollar. Other OPEC nations will follow suit. America will literally collapse. The dollar would collapse. And so will Europe will go with it. It's insane. Because the reason I'm mentioning this is because we're all connected in this. We're all part of that petrodollar. It may be the dollar, but it speaks for the pound and the euro uh, and, and, and the pesos and all the rest as well. So we're, we're all in this boat. Uh, yeah. And so if it sinks, we're all sinking together. Um, and I live in the West, and my interests are in the West. I'm I'm interested in the Western world to survive. I'm sorry about the other countries, but it, it's scary. It's scary, and like these are the types of things where we're so far removed. And I think the political system in Britain's a little bit better suited for this because in America we have yeah. elections every two years, and they're you. so focused <laughs> with like the topic du jour. I mean, when you were talking about the gender thing, that's a problem in schools and stuff here, but it's a much smaller problem, maybe, than the dollar collapsing. Um, exactly. And, but no one's <laughs> about the dollar potentially collapsing because we're worried about other important issues, but not to that degree. And so we can't even make it, it to is, that. And yeah. our leadership changes so much every two years. I've always said, and I've never heard anyone else say this, that we need to double term lengths so have president in for eight years rather than four um but that'll never happen so well i mean the, the problem with doubling term limits in that sense i mean the thing is it doesn't really even matter the president to some extent has has some limited powers i mean he is he's powerful but he's still beholden to the congress and the senate and all the rest of it the term limits that i think that should come in is for the Congress and oh, the that's Senate. That's where you guys need term limits because people have died. Well, in I mean, come on, some of your some of your senators seem to collapse in the middle of yeah. public engagements. No, now, now we elect people who already look like they're going to collapse in public engagements, like Biden and Fetterman. That's what we do now. Yeah, yeah. Fetterman. 
I mean, don't get me, don't even, don't even begin to get me started. (laughs) Well, I, the man has brain damage. He has brain damage. Yeah, he, you know, yeah, we, we're doing something wrong over here and I don't know that we're smart enough to figure it out, but yeah, we've got that going on. That dude, that Fetterman, I mean, I swear to God, Fetterman, I don't know if you ever remember the a TV show, you're way too young to remember it, but there was a TV show called The Monsters, and Herman Monster was was uh, Frankenstein's monster. Fetterman is, yeah. is, is Herman. That's what he is. He's just straight up Herman. He's just, he's missing the bolts. That's all he's missing. Um yeah. I don't want. To, I don't want. To, I don't want to be too cruel about him. The poor man. He has. He has issues. But uh, even even other people. Even that that lady that died. That was in a wheelchair. I, uh, I forgot. There you go. For crying out loud, she died. <laughs> she was dying, and you wouldn't and let he really aggressive brain cancer for a year and he didn't resign he just stayed up yeah no like that's that's what we do in the senate now but the senators don't really do anything it's congress and that's become a charade of all of the big personalities who all mm. you know yeah uh, uh, aoc yeah. and ilhan omar oh. and the and the squad and oh, I, it's become some kind of weird so yeah ilhan Sorry? omar is my representative pretty oh yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's, good luck with that. She's a good time. Oh yeah. damn! Oh damn! Sure. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 some kind of like Kardashian show with those lots. Yeah. I, I see it as like the 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 housewives of of DC or some really? some ridiculous nonsense. It's it's it doesn't seem like these people are serious politicians. They're just like like influencers <laughs> that are in politics. Definitely. It's like electing Logan Paul to your senate. I'm sure he will be a senator one day if he really wants to be. I'm sure he could be a senator for a while. I have no doubt in my mind. He'd be a good kid. Oh, my God. Yeah, have you ever seen a movie called Idiocracy? Oh, you should watch a movie called Idiocracy. <laughs> you will love it. It's it's. They say it's a satirical comedy that became a documentary. Okay. It's you just got to watch it. It's about the future and how America uh, has changed in the future. But I'm not going to spoil it for you. Just get a hold of it. Amazon, wherever you can, just get it, get a hold of it. It's a it's a relatively old film, so it might be available for free on like Prime or something. Uh, Certainly Netflix would have it. It's awesome. And it will you will watch that film and then go, oh, my God, we have arrived (laughs) at that point. I'll, I'll watch it. But we've done a little over an hour, so I think we can wrap. Thank you so much for doing this. I really hope that I'm sure everyone's going to love this because they've been asking you for you on the lives. And the next time you're up at four in the morning, you you better my life. (laughs) All right. I hope you guys loved this episode as much as I think you will. Again, he's one of my highest requested um, guests on live. So I'm really glad he was able to do this and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I will link him down below if you guys want to follow him for more of his stuff, his Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And yeah, let me know what you think of this episode. Let me know who you want me to have on after this. Um, And have a great rest of your week. I'll hear from you next, next week. Bye.